what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence Hi everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike Podcast. This is episode number 15. Thank you for joining me. Tonight I've got a fantastic guest to share with you. That is Lindsay Sharman from the Rogue Ways Podcast. Now, Lindsay is somebody who came to my attention recently. She did an interview with somebody who we've had already on the Parallel Mike Podcast. That's Johnny Vedmore. So this popped up on my Rockfin feed. I checked out Lindsay's channel and I was really impressed. Lindsay is a really fascinating person. She's got a fantastic voice. Lindsay hosts the podcast, so she has interview guests and she talks about things related to spirituality, healing, therapy, uh, geopolitics and many more and she also hosts what she calls her winning report which we talk a little bit about early on in this episode and that's similar I guess to my Parallel Systems broadcast although it's not related specifically to finance like my show is but it does cover some similar topics in terms of geopolitics and Lindsay's very funny and interesting to listen to so you can check that out. Now in tonight's episode we talk specifically about the occult and the esoteric and the reason I really wanted to speak to Lindsay about this specific subject is because Lindsay is somebody who not only works with the tarot as I do so I thought that would be an interesting conversation because we both use a similar tool in our sessions with clients and I'm going to be doing an episode all about the tarot in the coming weeks so you can find out more about my take on that in let's say two to three weeks I'm not sure exactly when that episode is going to come out but you can look forward to it but yeah I wanted to speak to Lindsay about the tarot but also about a negative experience that she had with the occult which is where Lindsay actually had what she saw as a demonic entity attached to her for a number of years and I thought that was just a fascinating subject matter to get into. I've been doing a lot of research recently about demonic entities and also about egregores and that again is something that we're going to talk about in the future. So I thought this would be a really good primer for us all just to have that voice of somebody who's experienced this and also just to get to know somebody who's doing something similar, also does some similar kinds of work with people. Lindsay does a lot of therapeutic work with clients and we talk a little bit about that also. So I guess in part one we just start to talk about Lindsay's past experience with this kind of entity, how she came about it, what was the circumstances leading up to it, what was going on in her personal life and then in part two we kind of go into the darkness a little bit and speak about how it manifested in her life, what it did to her and how it drove her to learning more about the occult and esoteric and taking this bad experience and actually turning it into something positive and of course that is something that we are all about here, it's about turning those negative experiences into something positive by utilising them for learning, for growth and actually sometimes taking them and making them the springboard that takes us to a place where we would otherwise have not have achieved and that is the true art of living it's taking whatever life throws at you and using it to your advantage even the dark stuff and I think Lindsay is a good example of that so that's it for today's introduction if you enjoy this episode please like comment and share it with people who you think might find it interesting members please head over to parallelmike.com where you can access the full episode a big thank you to everyone who has become a member already I really appreciate your support and because of you I've been able to upgrade my equipment so I haven't started using my new equipment yet but next week I should have a new microphone and a new setup so hopefully that will increase the audio quality substantially so thank you to anyone who supports me over on any of my platforms for those that don't know I also have an audio newsletter telegram community and I do one-to-one zoom calls with my community over on patreon so that's for the parallel systems broadcast which is the sister show I guess to the parallel mic podcast it's the original show that I started producing and then I spun off to do this podcast too and I've got a lot of people who listen to both but I do actually have 
have some people who just listen to the podcast. So if you haven't heard my other show, you can check me out on Rockfin. It's www.rockfin.com slash parallel systems. So in closing, have a fantastic week. I wish you all good health and happiness. And of course, I will see you all in the next one. Hi everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast. I've got a really awesome guest to share with you. It's Lindsay Charmin from the Rogue Ways podcast. Uh, Lindsay, I first found your work just a few weeks back. I interviewed Johnny Vedmore and the Rockfin algorithm then showed me your interview with Johnny. And I was like, oh, I need to go back and check out that podcast. And then it, I forgot about it. About a week later, you popped up on my Twitter feed, which was really weird because I've got quite a small Twitter feed. So it must have been somebody that was a mutual uh, guest or friend. And I was like, oh, I clicked through and then I, I did listen to your podcast this time. And I thought, oh, this is going to be an awesome guest. So thank you for accepting the invitation and coming to speak to us. Uh, how's it going today? Oh, great. Thanks for having me. And I love when synchronicity um, arranges things for us like that. It was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, well, something tried to get in the way of it because I, I missed our first appointment, but I'm so glad that you came back for the next one. <laughs> We've made it. So uh, I've been catching up on a lot of your work, Lindsay. And what I really liked about your podcast is uh, there was a lot of parallels with mine in that you do a lot of like eclectic stuff. You do live streams, you do interviews. Uh, and I always think anyone that can hold like a two hour live stream by themselves is a pretty good speaker. <laughs> so uh, it's not an easy thing to do. But I really enjoyed listening to your recent. Do you call it the, the winning report? Where did that name come from? Yeah, I, I think at some point I didn't do the winning report. I did. A, I just did two interviews a week. And then my Thursday show is the more spiritually based and for supporters only. And uh, at some point I was doing, you know, because every once in a while I jump on and just cover like a recent topic or something that was going on in the world. And usually because I was really upset at how people seem to be reacting to, you know, the always engineered outrage, whatever it was. And so I would hop on to be like, look, look, come on, guys, we have to like do better than this. And like, you know, and I would always end up focusing on how like, we don't need to be trapped in this fear that they're trying to get us to be trapped in. And we don't need to give them that energy, because we're actually always winning. Uh, and, and we're the winners. They're not like, that's why they have to work so hard to pull these things off. And then they often don't pull it off in the way they want. And that's amazing. Because they've got billions of dollars and all of these networks of people in power. And so I just would always sort of start focusing on that. And some of my listeners were started calling it winningism because I would always talk about how we were just winning no matter what. And so they they developed the sort of fake religion of winningism. And then that became sort of a hashtag and, and like an inside joke. And then eventually I was like, I'm going to actually do this regularly because people really seem to respond well to both hearing what's supposedly going on, like what the news is supposed to be, but then also hearing this take that's like, look, here's why it's not, it's important, right? We want to know about it, but here's why it's not something that we want to like let our energy get sucked into or believe that it's inevitable that things are horrible or any of that stuff. So it became the winning report and I do it weekly now on Tuesdays. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I actually was listening to that first. And before I even got to an interview, I was like, oh, I'm just enjoying listening to someone speak because, <laughs> you know, you hear so many people now, like they're telling us how things are or they're telling us, no, this is what's happening. But I like it when somebody's just going through it. Like, like no, we know that there's some bullshit going on. That comes from my time as a, a teacher, as a teacher for 14 years. And I'd say I'm a teacher primarily. And so you know, I understand the value in encouraging people to understand things from their own perspective, and especially to be done with the uh, archetypes of narcissism that pretend like they know everything. And that's not how people learn well. And it's not um, true either. Like nobody actually knows for sure most things. Um, so to pretend like you do is is pretty misleading. And so it's really empowering for people and enlightening for people to be able to experience the world more in that way. And then especially if they, you know, trust me, which I'm always honored to find that many people do, then it's easier to help them trust themselves, which is ideally what we want, right, is a world of people who can trust themselves because they've been often just uh, pushed into this fear reaction and this belief in the propaganda and belief in the sort of uh, totalitarian control that could never be broken that the psychopaths try to present to people. And, and so to break through that and empower people, I think is one of the best things we can do. 100% agree. I, I really like how you put that because I see it the same. It's not about um, people becoming dependent on heroes and saying, no, I listened to this person, that person. Like, no, you've got to 
uh, help people get to that space where they're able to make those decisions. That's the only way that we ever change things is if we can change ourselves, you know, and there is a lot of that going on right now. I see there's some very popular people and clearly it works because they give all the answers. They say, this is how it is. This is what's happening. And they go through this complex, almost like a murder mystery. They turn life into a murder mystery. They've got all these crazy narratives. And I'm just like, you don't know that. I don't know that. You might think that, but it's not fair to say this is what's happening. Uh, so that's a really cool aspect of your work. And, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about on, on the show, Lindsay, was some of your past experiences to do with the occult. And I found out just today when I was listening to an episode of a past interview that you did, that you actually had some experience with demonic possession. So I wanted to really talk to you about that, if you don't mind going into it. Oh, I love I love going into it. <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah, this is like the other half of me. I'm a, I'm a teacher, and then I'm also this ridiculously wild life of spiritual experiences. So um, yeah, which, which experience did you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, this is an interesting one. Well, you can take it where you want. Uh, I, I heard about how you had this kind of demonic attachment and i was like ah that's interesting because i've never heard of that but similar to you i've had a very interesting life and i did a lot of years as a counselor and a therapist so i've seen what i would say is like a type of demonic possession to uh but i'd like to hear your experience like how you actually felt in your own being when you had this thing happen yeah and i really you know one of my favorite things to do, I guess, or it's just where the world has led me, honestly, is to look at things from as many points of view as possible and see like where the universality lies. And so while I use terms sometimes like demonic attachment or whatnot, I also have the sort of psycho psychological view of, of things that might look at it more like your shadow, your psyche, or your, you know, hidden aspects of your subconscious that are sort of fighting to be seen and integrated and um, I also have a shamanic background. And so uh, I look at things as, you know, aspects of ourselves that have been sort of cut off and left in various places that we're trying to retrieve and reintegrate. And so the, all of these different traditions and um, disciplines look at things slightly differently. But to me, they're actually all describing the same thing with just different words. So some people get really attached to those different disciplines and different words and labels. And so then when I talk, it can be sort of confronting for them or they can be like, oh, this is like ridiculous. She's calling this demonic and it's actually this. Well, I would hope that anyone listening could instead look at it and say, oh, this is just another lens on the exact same phenomenon. And it's just the, you know, different, different words. And so maybe they can release some of that and, and sort of see how these things all actually cross over into one another. And um, I think it's more helpful to do that. So that, that I guess is a little preamble that I wanted to put out there, but yeah, I think you're referring to the time where I uh, seemed to uh, invite a demonic attachment onto myself that then followed me around for a few years, causing all sorts of chaos. Yeah, that was the one that I had. But if you want to take it to a different experience, then please be my guest. It's up to you. But I just think it'd be really interesting to hear this. And like you said, uh, in that kind of preamble, this is what I try and uh, teach people too, is that you know, I, if I'm working with somebody from a psychologist's kind of perspective or somebody from a more spiritual, it's kind of the same thing. Like if I work with somebody who's on drugs and they're a perfectly decent, rational, normal, critical thinking human being one day and the next day they're out of the minds and they're attacking family members. I mean, is that a possession? Yeah, you can say they're possessed by the drug or you can say they're possessed by a demon. I don't think it actually matters. So I agree with you 100%. And as I've got more mature, I've certainly took a more spiritual view to all of that. So uh, I'm excited to hear what you've got to say about it. Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I guess I'll I'll start by saying that um, the way that this seemed to start, uh, I didn't realize at the moment. So when I dove into inviting a spirit to attach to me, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And I in no way uh, expected what would eventually come. And I also, like I said, I didn't even notice that it, it sort of happened or occurred. Nothing really seemed to change, except that uh, I started to become more interested in things that we would describe as a cult. And uh, and then I became really, really good at those things. And, and it seemed that I was suddenly very psychic. And while I can look back and see that I had actually always been what people call psychic, and I had always been what people call intuitive, and I had always uh, been uh interacting with other consciousnesses around me like trees and animals and people in ways that other people weren't i didn't really know that 
And this uh, experience sort of highlighted it and pointed out to me that like, oh, I am actually doing something and it is really cool. It gave me like a pride and an egoic sort of attachment to it, actually. <laughs> um, so what it was, was I was at a slumber party one night and I was, um, and it was a sober slumber party because I had already uh, had, a, you know, uh, drug, drug addiction, drug abuse, whatever you want to call it, um, times. And so I was in an AA, I was probably... I always have, I always get my ages mixed up, but I'm going to say that I was like 14 when this started and maybe about 16 when it sort of came to a conclusion. So, um, so I was at this AA sober sleepover when I was 14 and some girl there was our, everybody's sponsor. She was the sponsor for all the under 18 girls in AA, which there was a lot of, which is its wow, own thing. We could do a whole age to be at AA 14. Yeah, I actually would leave middle school classes to walk down to our, our local city uh, wow. AA meetings and then come back to school. Like that was an allowed activity for me <laughs> because they wanted me to stop doing drugs. What was, was going a very... on in Colorado at the time to make it so, well, so wild? This is actually Washington. This is in Pacific Northwest Washington where I grew up. I just moved to Colorado like four or five years ago. Uh, okay, I see, I see. Yeah, so um, it was very small, very, very hippie, I would say, sort of rural town. And um, I was lucky, honestly, the whole the whole village, let's say, like knew me and cared for me. And, and that was, I think, what got me through like the darkest of times. Um, so I had a really unfortunate, uh, very fortunate in some ways, a very unfortunate in other ways, childhood. We struggled with poverty and homelessness. And my father was an alcoholic and um, abusive in the ways that alcoholics are because they aren't giving love as often as they should, you know, but not, he wasn't abusive in other ways, but, you know, it was unstable at least. So then he died when I was very young, when I was 11. So this is part of why I kind of went into drugs and, and alcohol and things very early and was in AA and ended up at this slumber party where our sponsor uh, had tarot cards. And I had probably seen them in a couple movies here or there. You know, this is way before the internet. I didn't have cable. I didn't have a lot of exposure to media. I was a big reader more than a video gamer or TV watcher. And so I just, I really didn't have that much experience. I didn't really know what they were. And it seemed like a weird game. And I was like a little bit standoffish. So I was like, not really ready to dive into it. But everyone else had gotten a tarot reading. And so I was like, well, I guess I have to now I'm like the only one who hasn't. So I got my tarot cards read. And I didn't know then how bizarre it was that my 10 card reading ended up being 100% uh, major arcana cards. If anybody is not familiar with tarot, there's, uh, I always mess this up. I think there's 72 cards and 22 of them are no, there's 76 cards and 22. Whatever there are, there's 22 major arcana cards. So to get 10 of them in a reading and no minor arcana is, is virtually impossible. Um, this is a deck that's spread out and you're just pulling cards at random, right? And so as my tarot reader uh, started to flip over each card, she kept remarking like, wow, this is really intense. Like these are big energy cards and like big stuff's happening and really important and then also 100% of them were in the reversed placement, which is also very unlikely. Anybody can recognize whether you're with tarot or not that 50-50 chance of a card being reversed or not, right? And 100% of them were reversed and 100% of them were major arcana. So by the time she's getting to like card seven, card eight, she's just like starting to freak out. And I'm like, I, why are you freaking out? Like you're scaring me. I thought this was just like a silly game. Or, and by the last card, she like threw the deck and was just like, oh my God, like, what is this? And da, da, da. And I was like, well, that was kind of a scary, weird game. And that was sort of the end of it. And, uh, you know, I went on with life, but I was kind of fascinated. I was like, why was that so powerful seeming to her? Like, what is actually going on? And what if these two can actually tell you like your future or, you know, deeper aspects of life? And then I wanted just to, to do it myself. So I actually got my hands on the exact same deck, but the same style. And I started practicing and giving people tarot readings. And I quickly got this um, reputation in our tiny little group of people who all grew up together of being really good at reading tarot cards and of knowing things that couldn't possibly be known and of seeing the future accurately and of being able to tell people what was going to happen. And it happened that way 100% of the time. And and it was like easy for me. Like I just knew I would just flip over the card and be like, this means this and this is what's happening. And 
people would like cry sometimes or like freak out or be like, this is crazy. I don't ever want to do this again. And other people would be like, give me more. I want to know more. <laughs> like it was really interesting. So again, I developed this sort of like attachment to these cards and to what I could do with them and how I seemed to be special when I was using them. And they seemed to be pretty cool. Uh, so I just kept giving tarot readings. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, so that's and sort of the background. Was that you was using, Lindsay? Which type of deck? It's the same deck I have right now, actually. And it's the Handel deck, H-A-I-N-D-L. Oh, um, okay. I've never seen this deck. I was um, I use Tarot 2, uh, but I use a Marseille deck, but I've never used the Handel deck. So what's the differences between that deck? So, don't want to sidetrack you too much, but is there yeah. any differences? Because I know that one of the reasons I, I really dislike the uh, right away deck is because they changed the the cards to make it much darker specifically like the the tower card and i i'm not going to get into that here but you might know what yeah. i mean from the marseille deck to the tower uh to the which was the house of god in the marseille deck in the more updated version which was the right away and they were freemasons who made that this tower card became really kind of dark it had fire oh. and all of this which was not actually the original meaning of it so it's almost like there was this alchemical shift with that card and uh, so I'm always really interested to hear how people have swapped and changed cards around. So what's yeah. kind of interesting about the handle deck that you're using? Well, that's fascinating. So I will just add here that I have never used any other deck but the handle deck. So I'm only familiar with even the Rider Waite and a few others because they're so popular and everyone talks about them. But I'm not actually familiar with them specifically at all. I'm only familiar with the handle. But I know that it is different in that uh, each suit is... Um, represented by or represents i should say a, a different tradition around the world so like the swords are egyptian the cups are northern you know celtic sort of the uh what am i saying the stones are native american and the spears are sort of um indian or vedic or hindu so that's pretty cool i like that uh, it incorporates the uh hebrew alphabet the runes uh astrology so a lot of the cards will have that on it also incorporates the I Ching uh, and each hexagram has a card that it's connected to which are the 64 cards of the minor arcana without the court cards so it is pretty cool and without the um uh aces so it is pretty cool it has all of this different stuff the the two people who work together on it Handel and then uh Pollock were uh both very i would say like mystic spiritual seers and visionaries that would channel through uh guidance for each card so and they felt like this is divinely inspired and aligned with the earth and the sky in a very balanced sort of approach and they really had no um fear of or judgment towards the the dark or the light they saw both as sort of necessary and so as far as like neutrality and uh universality go this deck i feel like really embodies so much in one and so for me as someone who didn't go into studying tarot at all and still hasn't ever <laughs> officially studied tarot the thing that i love about these cards is that they're super accessible to me because i interact with the world on like a symbolic you know sort of half subconscious uh level and these cards have so much richness and, and depth to them that you can I can gain the message very easily because different aspects of the card will stand out to me in, in different readings. So well, like one card, a lot of people will be like, this card means this. Every time it comes up, it means this. And for me, I'm like, well, this card can mean oh, so many things. And it's going to depend specifically on the reading, the placement, the person who I'm talking to, the energy of the day, like, you know, all sorts of things. And so I love that versatility about this deck too. So I've now been using this deck since then. Uh, I was, again, like 14. I'm I'm 42 now. So what is that? 36 years? 38 years? Um, so that's a long... No, 28. Whatever. Okay. Decades I've been using yeah. this is deck. Is it the same and... deck as well? Like literally the same one deck? No, okay, it's good. not. <laughs> well, you'll find out why. <laughs> okay, go so, Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I same... typed this a little bit, but I'm just, that was kind of my own interest. But I would love to get back to the story. Yeah. So, um, so I was doing tarot reading. So I didn't think much about that, you know, at all. And, and, and separately in my mind, completely disconnected until later, I was experiencing what I uh, later came to realize was like a poltergeist like energy. Um, and I didn't also realize that at first. So 
uh, despite what anyone listening may think so far, I'm actually a very rational, logical, and um, skeptical person. And when, despite the overwhelming amount of paranormal things that have happened to me in my life, I still approach things from uh, this is totally normal. And there's a very materialist explanation for what's going on here, like no matter what's happening. And I was like that then too. So poltergeist-like activity started happening but I actually ignored it for a while because I was like, oh, it's just wind or water pressure, or the dew point today or like whatever I was telling myself was happening. And so that's that was able to continue for a while before I really even noticed that anything was sort of wrong. Um, and that's kind of disturbing to me, too. Like, And I wonder how many people out there experience really strange things and just go, eh, no, I'm sure it's just something normal I'm like not understanding right now. I know people do the opposite, too, where they see very mundane things and they're like, this is significant and amazing and paranormal. And you're like, actually, there's this very logical explanation. But I guess I'm kind of on the other side of things. No, I, so, I'm the same. Like, yeah, and I think you put it really well because I also would think that if people were really kind of clearing out the mind, you know, like clearing out all of the shit, all of the propaganda and get rid of your TV, maybe spend some more time in nature, like actually start to develop real human connections, then then what? Then it's almost like you've cleared out the room and you'll start to notice these things much more and be able to engage with it. But what you're talking about is the average person today is so filled with crap in the head that of course they're not going to realize it. And probably there is all kinds of well, we know there is all kinds of like dark chemical alchemical spells being cast and they just think it's normal. Like what was COVID? It was just a giant dark ritual. Yeah. And like we saw it, we was like, oh my God, like, look, everyone, look what's happening. But the people didn't see it like because their minds are so are so kind of switched off. And like it's almost like the satellite signal they've got is just like it goes out maybe like an inch from the head. You know, what yeah. I mean, they can't pick up on what's going on. So no, I think you put it perfectly. And that's exactly how I see it, too. Yeah, people are very disconnected and and I was too and and like we just talked about like I was intentionally so I was running from a lot of darkness actually. So and maybe that's part of why I didn't really perceive this for a long time either. So, you know, years went by that I was experiencing poltergeist like activity from time to time and then ignoring it and then continuing to give readings and give readings and give readings every time uh, i gave a like, reading Lindsay? was it like audio or visual or like what did it manifest like in your life these kind of experiences of a poltergeist oh okay. i thought you were talking about the knowingness of giving tarot readings and i was like oh it's just no i just knew like what to say or do or what to understand right but the poltergeist stuff was physical things would be moving around me uh, in ways that they couldn't actually move. So there was small things at first. And, and one of the ones I always remember was this um, pedometer that my mom wore when she took walks to measure like how far she had been walking, you know, everybody seemed to have those in the 90s. Uh, that was in like the center of a table. And it just sort of like jumped out in front of me and landed in front of me. And I'm like, I just saw it in the center. And nothing is here. <laughs> like nothing is happening. And it's now just flopped in front of me. So it moved all that feet feet of distance of the heavy object not heavy but you know like it's it's not light it can't just be like blown easily by the air uh and so i, I just knew like something weird but i was also like i mean what would it be so i wasn't i wasn't like ghosts or poltergeist or like, you know i wasn't looking for that stuff so i was just like i don't know i don't have an explanation for that oh well move on with life um you know, and I, at the time when I started to put some of these things together, I could look back and see like all of these things, like a door closing or this happening, like all this, but I just didn't, I was not paying attention to it at all, which probably made it angry. So um, the one that really got me, uh, there was a couple things that really got me that started making me realize that something was actually happening. And one was this flashlight. I hate explaining this because it's so detailed, but it really matters actually like what how it went. So it was a flashlight that would plug into the wall to recharge. When you turn, pulled it out from the wall, you had to hold a button down in a totally different place from the plug. You had to hold it down the whole time while you grabbed with your other hand the plug and turned it back into the device until it snapped in, and then you could release that button. Now the plug that had plugged into the wall is completely hidden within the flashlight body. Now you can press the button to turn the flashlight on. It won't turn on otherwise. You have to have that plug back in the body for whatever. That was the way this flashlight worked. 
So I was walking by this flashlight and it just fell on the ground and turned on. And I was like, that's weird. I mean, things fall out though, like plugs are loose or whatever. And I picked it up to put a plug it back in. And, you know, the plug part was in the body. And then I realized, how did this unplug itself, depress the button, turn the thing all the way back until it lodged back in the body and press the button all in one second? <laughs> no one could be that fast anyway. And it's not physically possible. And like all the hairs on my neck stood up and I was like, oh my God. And I just like ran out of the house and someone was waiting for me outside. We were going somewhere anyway. So I was just like, whatever that was, I don't know. That's crazy. And this is one of those moments where I started thinking like, well, what really was that? What could it even be? Like, there has to be something. I'm like, are there ghosts in the world? Is there, and do they touch things and move them? And is that what's happening? And you know, I just started started wondering if some of these things that you kind of always hear about or think about like actually could be real. And then I started thinking about some of the other things. And I'm like, what if all of these things have been being moved? And then I'm like, why? Why is this happening? Like, why would this happen? What would even be the purpose of it? But and I also probably this just goes all the way back to that tarot uh, session that you had. So you did this tarot at this house. And I'm guessing this was like a year. Was this like a year in the future when all these things were still happening? Oh, yeah, this is during that time. So I didn't, again, I didn't know at the time, but I know now that it went back to that tarot reading. It's, they started at the same time, right? That uh, that initial tarot reading at that AA sleepover, uh, you know, was the thing. I just, I never would have guessed that. I never thought about it again. Like, it just was not in my mind at all until until later. So all of these things are going on in the meantime. There's another side to this story that I also did not connect until much later. And that is that at that same time, I started having sleep paralysis. And I had never heard of sleep paralysis. Again, the internet wasn't even really a thing then. It didn't exist. People didn't seem to talk about sleep paralysis. I had never heard of sleep paralysis. Like I just knew that I woke up in the middle of the night and I would be fully awake and I couldn't move at all and I could hear things that were actually going on and but I just couldn't move and uh, and it was terrifying. And that's it. And I mentioned it to a woman who I actually was invited to another AA event that was a uh, <laughs> um sweat lodge which is a Native American, you know, tradition. And I have Native American heritage, which is part of why they convinced the people who owned this to allow us young, you know, assholes into their sacred space. <laughs> um and so they invited us up and I got to do this sweat and I ended up telling her some message came for me or something happened in the sweat. And it made me want to tell, tell them like, look, I'm having this experience. I don't know what it is. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't move. And, and, and this woman said to me, like, when that happens to you, you can, you know, reach out to the great spirit or whatever else she said. But the tool she gave me that I latched onto was you use a mantra and you can tell yourself over and over again, just to release the fear of it. Like, I'm safe and everything's okay and I'm loved or whatever it was. You know, I don't remember the exact mantra, but I was like, okay, I can use that. Like, that's something I can apply directly, right? This is my logical self. <laughs> so when I started having sleep paralysis and it was really terrifying, I didn't connect it to the poltergeist activity. I didn't connect it to the tarot reading. I just started using this mantra and it would happen somewhat frequently, but I would use the mantra and then I would just finally move a finger and be able to move again. And then I would just go back to sleep and everything would be fine. Well, I can uh, talk a little bit on that too. I've had sleep paralysis. I had it for well over a decade, like you had it a long time. And for listeners that have not ever had it, it's so hard to explain because it's kind of like this in-between stage between dreaming and, and awakeness. And it's almost like your consciousness starts to come back, but your body is still asleep and it's completely paralyzed. And then as your consciousness comes in, it recognizes that the body's paralyzed and all of a sudden this real intense fear and dread comes over you. And sometimes you hear things moving in the room. Sometimes you see uh, lights. And there has been many times in the past where people have said, maybe this is what people are experiencing when they have, say, an alien abduction. If people claim they've had that, maybe it was sleep paralysis. Uh, and I can't really speak too much on it besides saying I've had it many, many times. I eventually got over it and it's never come back. Uh, and I did learn for myself, Lindsay, and I don't know if this made any difference for you, but if I sleep on my back, then I'll, I'll, I often drift into it. Even now, if I slept on my back, I would, but on my side, it never ever happens anymore. So as so long as I'm sleeping on the side, I'm good. Uh, and the other thing is I do know it affects men often more than women too. I think it's something like 80% usually with men and 20% with women. So you, I've, I've met many men before, but you're actually the first 
a female that I've ever spoke to has had it. But yeah, it's a it's a very strange experience, and it's certainly uh, it's that well for me what it did, Lindsay, is it woke me up to the to the understanding that there's much more going on than we realize, even in just our own psyche. Because in that dreamlike state or this kind of sleep paralysis, it's almost like you're in a different world. Yeah, it's re- it's really interesting too to hear about this, and I do think there's a connection to alien abduction with this. And the more I've uh, looked into it since then. But um, it's really weird, the connection to out-of-body experiences, because there'll be a similar stage as people are leaving their body intentionally, right? That they experience their their body itself is paralyzed, their consciousness is awake, and then there they go. They can leave and, and move around at will. I also, you know, when I was the all of the times until the final time I'll tell you about um, that I experienced sleep paralysis, my eyes were not open. Probably most people's aren't ever. And I... All I was seeing was darkness, just like you would if you close your eyes. So I was awake. I could hear, but I didn't see anything or, or whatnot. I didn't have any other sort of dimension to the experience than that. But it was scary, though, know, and I luckily I got this mantra, and that worked for me. I, if I would experience it, I'd go, oh, yeah, this is just that thing, and calm myself down, calm myself down. Sometimes I wouldn't even try to move my finger to wake back up. I would just go back to sleep, <laughs> Like, and so that was, that was fine, too. I always found that was the strangest bit of the experience, though, is like, I think for everyone it'll be different but I was always lying there and like willing myself to kind of wake up and I was like trying to it's almost like I was trying to best spirit back into my body and, I, and then all of a sudden I'd just be like it'd be like coming out from almost drowning you'd be like <gasps> and I'd wake up and be animated again and then like if I was sleeping next to my uh well girlfriend at the time because I was a lot younger I wasn't married but she'd be like what 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 and I'd just be like oh my god I was just like sleep paralysis and they'd have no clue what was going on they'd be like you're weird you know like what's wrong yeah. with you you're just kind of waking up in this terror state thinking it was like a nightmare almost yeah yeah, I knew, I just knew I was actually awake. I knew it was not a dream. I knew that I was full. And I think it really was the sounds I was hearing was like the TV in the other rooms. Like I knew that if that's happening right now, like I'm awake right now, I'm just not able to move. Um, but the last experience, I definitely questioned whether it was a dream or, or worse. And, you know, it, it's something like 10% of people who experience sleep paralysis, I now have heard. Uh, ends with this terrifying vision <laughs> or terrifying experience and encounter with an entity. And there's various ways it's described, but it's always kind of the same. There's an entity, it's terrifying, uh, and it is in connection with sleep paralysis. And it's almost always after people have been experiencing sleep paralysis for a time. And so for me, it was like a year or maybe two years that I was experiencing sleep paralysis before this happened and again i i didn't know then anything about it except that someone had told me to say this mantra and i did (laughs) so all of these things are happening at the same time i have this not knowing it but demonic attachment i am doing these tarot readings and just killing it people love them (laughs) like they're really good uh and having poltergeist like activity around my house and and all of that's happening at once so the sort of uh climax of this occurred um and, uh, you know, I didn't really notice through all of that time, all those years that I was just, I don't know how else to explain. I was like, I feel like I was becoming darker and darker, or like heavier and heavier. And I'd always been uh, since my father died. And since my childhood was, was so disruptive, I had always been sort of dark and obviously like do, using drugs. But I always had like a brightness about me, too, because I am still me. And that's just always who I've been also. But this period of time was like pretty, it was pretty dark. It was darker than than normal. Um, so one night I was on my computer, I was playing Minesweeper or Solitaire, who knows which one, (laughs) those were the ones, no one was there. Um, and I had my dog underneath my computer desk with me and I started feeling this feeling that we've all probably felt where someone is looking at us, you know, from behind, we just feel like someone's looking at us, but I was alone and I knew that. So I was like, well, that's weird that I'd even have that feeling. And I didn't, of course, even bother looking because no one's in my house with me. Then like a few minutes later, it's like pretty insistent. I'm like, I really feel like someone's watching me. And it doesn't feel good either. Like it feels nefarious. It feels dark. And I'm starting to get kind of scared. And I'm like looking behind me. I'm like, nothing's there. This is so weird. And I'm like, whatever. I guess I'm just kind of crazy. And then I like really feel like a strong, insistent, like someone is right behind me and it's not good. And I'm like starting to feel like that again, that like prickly haired thing. And I'm like, what is this? I'm like, am I going insane? 
Then my dog wakes up from his dead sleep and he just stands up and he like comes out from under the desk and he looks exactly where I'm feeling this energy from, like someone's staring at me and it's not good. And he starts growling at it. That's already scary enough for me, even, even now. But at the time, I literally had never heard him growl in my life. And I had had this dog for at least like seven, 10 years or something, a long time, never once growled ever in my life. And he was standing there growling at the spot where I'm feeling this from. So again, logical me could just dismiss it and tell like, oh, you're just feeling, you're just weird or you're just whatever. But then when that happened, I'm like, that's outside confirmation. Something is happening right here. And that like freaked me out. I have no idea what to do about this at this point. So I just run to my bed and I just hide under the covers because what else are you going to do? <laughs> I'm like a little kid hiding from uh, demonic forces under my blankets. Um, do you think, Lindsay, that this might have had some, like it might have been related to uh, drug use at the time? Like, was you questioning like, oh, if I messed up my head here? Because like I've, I worked with, with people who have used drugs and they also was having this experience and uh, they were struggling to figure out, like, was it from the drug use or not? And I actually had a gal who we figured out very quickly, it wasn't the drug use at all. Mm -hmm. This thing kind of pre-existed the drug use and the kind of drugs became a coping mechanism almost for this strange yeah. phenomenon that she was experiencing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. No, I definitely, that was my first thought actually was just that I'm crazy. I've gone crazy and uh, and it gets worse, right? As we go through the rest of what happens, um, not this night, but a, a, the night next night or the one after very, very close in succession, I definitely just, just decide that I'm insane. Like that's the only possible explanation for me. So, um, and I always was, and you know, a lot of people who hear this story also are like, oh, well you did drugs, like you did hard drugs and you were young. So of course your brain was messed up and that's all this is. And I can't, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> people should think whatever they think and do whatever they need to do. But, but that was one of my first thoughts too. And then, like I said, I had some of these external confirmations that made it impossible for me to continue to believe that, which I'm grateful for because <laughs> that helped me see the truth. Um, so that night, that was all that happened. Uh, that was enough. It was terrifying. I, I was like, well, there's something happening. It, I don't understand what it is. It seems to not be physical, but it's real because my dog can sense it. I can sense it. And this is probably what's been throwing random things around the house and dropping the flashlight on the ground and, and whatever else is happening. I still didn't connect it to sleep paralysis. Um, but by the next night or the night after I did, because I went to sleep and just like any normal night, and then I woke up with sleep paralysis. And just like any, many of the times I experienced it, I started doing the mantra, but then I realized, wait, I can see everything. <laughs> but I also still knew that my eyes were closed and I was really confused by this. I was like, how am I seeing, but my eyes are closed. And I'm like, maybe this is just a really vivid dream. But it was so different from any dream I've ever, and I'm a dreamer. I've been a dreamer since I was a kid. It was hard for my parents to wake me up as a child. I literally would get like shaken to wake up because I just wouldn't, I want to stay in dreamland. I have vivid dreams, long dreams, like really deep dreams. This was like no dream I'd ever had. And it was so clear. It was so real. And then I realized that same thing as the rest of the sleep process. Like I could hear things that were real. I started hearing like my dog coming towards my room. And I was like, well, this is really weird. I actually kind of like this. Like, if this is what sleep paralysis is, like, maybe I could explore whatever this is. And I, I had not heard of out of body or lucid, you know, nothing. I just was having this experience. But I started feeling that same feeling like um, I had felt the other night when I was playing on the computer and my dog started growling. And I was like, oh, no, like, that's not good. Because whatever that is, I don't like the feeling of it. And I'm paralyzed and I can't move. <laughs> and... I feel it coming towards me like through the wall and I'm like, Oh no. And then I, and then I hear like my dog is scratching at my door and whining. And again, I had never heard him growl before I'd heard him whine and like, maybe he'd scratched or something, but like, he wasn't that type of dog. Like he'd just do whatever you told him to do. He was just a really good natured dog. And so for him to be whining and scratching at the door, I was like, Oh, something's wrong. He's scratching at my door to get in while I'm sleeping. He's never done that before. And something's wrong. And then this energy that I've been feeling coming towards me comes through the door and I can see it for the first time because I can see everything in whatever weird space this is, which I now look at as, you know, like astral travel, leaving your body out of body experience. 
it's just this reality overlying this reality, right? With our spiritual eye, we could see even with our eyes closed. But at the time, I didn't really understand, but I saw it and I was like, oh, God. Like, oh, shit. Tell me what it looks this? like. This was just a cloud of darkness as though a cloud could be compact and dense. Like you could touch it, even though it's a cloud. And it was like swirling. And now I feel like I could describe it as like plasmatic. But at the time, I don't think I had that word. Uh, so it was just a swirling cloud of black, no face, nothing, but it was very clearly conscious. And it was very clearly like looking at me, I'll say, even though there was no eyes and directed at me. And and that is the most terrifying moment of my life uh, up to that point. And one of the top five since then, like still, and I've had all sorts of encounters with really dark energies since then, but this was the first and it was exceptional. So I was just, I don't know. I mean, it, I i have no idea. <laughs> was I breathing? I don't know. I just know that I was like, this is not good. This is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm trapped and I don't know what to do. And then it sort of like shape shifted into a little girl shape. And that was unexpected. And then I, my fear sort of subsided. I was at least now curious, like, why did it just change? And it was this shape, this little girl, but... It was weird because I look back now and I'm like, it was still black. It was still dark, but it like gave itself a glow. And the glow was like enough for me to be like, maybe it's good. <laughs> so this is all now when I look back too, very calculating and intentional and also required that whatever this thing is like really knew my thoughts and knew who I was and knew what would work to disarm me and knew what I would think about things, right? Which makes sense because then later looking back, this thing has actually been attached to me for like two years. It's it's got an intimate understanding of who I am at this point. So I believe it came became a little girl because when I looked at that, I was like, well, maybe it's good. Maybe it's actually a little girl. Maybe all of this, this whole time has just been that there's this little ghost of a little girl and she's been trying to get my attention and she needs help in some way. And maybe I am special. Maybe I'm not just good at tarot reading. Maybe I'm like a ghost person who can help ghosts or whatever my little brain was telling me. Right. And I was like, maybe she needs help getting to whatever's afterlife. Cause apparently there's something afterlife. Cause here's this little ghost girl in front of me. And all of this is sort of swirling through my head. My ego's peaked and my compassion, right? It's a little child that needs help uh, from me, right? And so all of these things I'm thinking in a very, very clear voice said out loud, audibly in my head, that's what it wants you to think. That's just what it wants you to think. And I knew, like, I just knew that voice was right. It was my own intuition knew that before it became a little girl and like all of the other experiences I'd had that it just wasn't a very honest or good thing, whatever it you is. Think it was your and voice, Lindsay, voice. or the voice of somebody uh, else outside of you, like something like a good spirit or God or something else. Yeah. I always think of it as like my guide, like a spirit guide who's always been with me and, and, you know, gives me little pointers and directors and synchronicities to lead me along the right path. Uh, I always think that, but you know, there's like a higher level of consciousness that I connect with too, that understands that really it is me. That is me. I am also my own guide, right? So while you and I are separate people at the, at the highest level, we're, we're really one consciousness. Right now we're not, but we are up there. So I, I could say that it is me. It was me, but I really do feel like it's this, um, guiding intelligence I have that's outside of myself that, that said that at that moment also knowing me very well and knowing that because it wasn't telling me what to do, I might listen. <laughs> and because it was um, sympathetically vibrating with my own intuition, I would know that it was right. Uh, so very perfect timing, very perfect delivery and very perfect thing to say to make me realize don't trust this thing because um, I was about to trust it uh, and give myself to it in the sense that I was going to, what do you need from me? Right. How can I help you? Uh, so once I, once I heard that, I instantly was like, don't trust this thing. And it heard it too, I feel, because right when I heard it and started not trusting, it started like leaping towards me. So then I was like, well, now I'm like under direct attack. I'm paralyzed and I don't know what to do and I have no options left. So even though I don't have a belief in God <laughs> or anything like that, I'm going to ask God for help. I had no idea what else to do. So I said, 
in my heart, in my mind, dear God, help me. And as soon as I said those words, this sort of shield appeared is how I felt and saw it. And it was right up, right above me. I was still laying in my body, even though I feel at this point, I probably could have gotten up and, and moved around. Um, and it just like was right around my body, like millimeters away. And that thing hit that shield instead of whatever it was going to do, which I still don't know exactly what that plan would have been. And it hit that shield and it got so angry and I could hear it. And it's the same way I heard this voice. I knew it wasn't out loud. I knew that no one else could have heard it if they were standing there physically, but I heard its anger, like the worst sound even to this day that I've ever heard in my life. And I try to describe it even though nothing really could because it's not a real sound, but it sounded like you know, the screams of tortured people and the crying out of anguish and flashing metal and explosions and discordant music, like all at once. And that was its scream at me because it was so angry that I had like foiled its plan on accident. And you, I could just tell that it was like, you can't do this. Like, you don't get to do this. Like, I've been working on you for this whole time. And now you know, like, you don't. And I just knew, like, it was so pissed off. And then I just went into that, like, just move a finger. Just move one finger. If you just move one finger, you could just get up and this will all be over. <laughs> and I did finally move the finger and I got up. Just like you described, like, just, ah, like, jump into, and I ran out of the room because I knew that thing was in there. And my dog was outside my room, like, frantic, like, so happy that I was awake because dogs just know, like, he knew what was going on, the poor thing. And I ran into my mom's bedroom. She uh, usually works nights, but she was there. And I crawled into her bed with her, like, her 16-year-old daughter at this point, like, crawling into the bed with her. And I'm, like, shaking. And she's too exhausted to really even notice. But I'm just like, this is the only comfort I have because I have no idea what just happened. And like you said, I just assumed I had gone insane. Like, I assumed that I was done for and this was it. And, you know, too much acid or crystal meth or cocaine or whatever. And I was just gone. Um, cause I couldn't deal with, I just didn't even understand what else that could be, you know? Wow. That's a, that's some story. And like, you know, when you say, it, I, I understand what you, where that people might think like, oh, this is outrageous and this is absurd, but you know, I've had so many uh, experiences in my own life that I certainly don't, I don't discount mm -hmm. anyone's stories anymore because uh, I just don't know. All I know is what I've experienced. And I think, well, if I've experienced this, other people have, and that's enough for me. And um, I think a lot of people who listen to this are certainly uh, of the mindset that there is a higher spiritual level to this where we are. And uh, what we see in the day to day is just that is just the material world. And then outside of that, there's all of this. Uh, and and what did you kind of come to the conclusion on of that? I mean, you invoked, I guess, God. And we know that in the Bible, for anyone who's a Christian, if you read the Bible, Jesus took out spirits. He he exercised spirits all the time in the Bible. You know, that was one of his key uh, duties here on earth was he was, was exercising spirits. And this is exactly what you're talking about is a spirit. And you did invoke the name of God. So did that have any kind of like a, effect on your belief system afterwards? Well, even more than that, <laughs> I, I was guided even more than that because the rest of that night I couldn't sleep very well, which you might imagine. And when I did, you know, try to close my eyes or rest, I would have these horrifying visions of really disturbing, disgusting things that I would never want to describe to anyone. And I had definitely never seen any representation of like, I've never been a horror movie watcher and I just don't have that experience. So the things I was seeing were horrible and i was like well this is just further evidence that i've gone completely insane like I, and i can't and i couldn't make it stop and i would try to like think of a waterfall think of a bunny like think and it would just turn into this every time and i was just like exhausted and terrified and whatnot but i went to school the next morning because i don't know what else i would have done anyway and uh i got out of my car in the parking lot at the high school and i i will reiterate here that i had been doing drugs for years and you know, not constantly all day, every day, but like enough. <laughs> and like I had shown up to school hungover or after a three day bender, after not sleeping for three days from crystal meth and gone to. So people had seen me in very disheveled states to say the least, but no one had ever treated me the way they did that morning, which was again, this further like outside evidence that I wasn't actually crazy. And people were looking, they would be like, la la la. And then they'd see me and go, oh my God, what happened? And I like, this happened like four or five times before I was like, I can't do this. Like, 
I just had whatever happened last night. I had all these torturous visions. Now people are looking at me and like being scared. Like this energy is like still on me or something. And I was like, I just don't. And I had to finally admit it. It was real. It wasn't some drug crazed thing. And that uh, it had to be like spiritual. There had to be, if it's a ghost or whatever, but it's, and there was one people I knew who believed in that sort of thing. And they were Christians. They were my friend's parents and they were very fundamentalist. And I just knew that they would know what to do about it because I didn't know what to do about it. So I called them and I asked them if I could come over and they didn't even ask me why. And they just said, yes, yes, you can skip school and drive to our house in the middle of the morning and we will talk to you. They could probably tell how scared I was and they had known me most of my life since I was really young. Uh, Me and this person had been good friends. So I went over there and, and they could tell too. They were like, something's really wrong. And they were like, what happened? And I told them a very short version of the story. It was like something attacked me in the night. And then I saw these horrible visions all night. And now people are treating me like I'm like, I don't know, broken or someone died or like, like he's just reacting, but I don't know what's going on. They're like, Oh, it's a demon. Yeah. You've been attacked by a demon. And I was like, I mean, okay. Like, is that real? Like, is that a thing that happens? And they're like, yeah. I mean, and they had actually been telling me for years that I would be actually, uh, because they knew I did tarot. And they were like, that's a portal to hell. And I was like, oh, God, like, it's just a game, you weirdos. Like, you know, like, I just did not. And now I was like, man, what if it was? And then it, like, kind of clicked. They're like, yeah, did you ever invite a spirit in? And I was like, that is exactly what I did. The first night when I was at that AA sleepover, that girl guided me to say the words, I invite the such and such, you know, but there was no specifics. I just invited a spirit to guide the reading. And it did. And that spirit then stayed with me. And every reading I did after that, I invited a spirit to guide the reading. And there it was. Oh, so wow. you gave it power, didn't you? Like, I guess oh, every yeah. time you did a reading, it was growing in its strength. Oh, yeah. And you all, whatever people think, what I've learned is our free will is paramount. And when you say, hey, yeah, come on in. It's like, okay. I mean, you let me, right? We get this from all the lore, vampire lore, all this, like, you have to invite them in. And it's true with this too. And just as beautifully though, you can say, well, now get out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's what I did. And they actually guided me in that moment to do the the prayer that you invite Jesus into your heart. And I don't know exactly what that is now, but at the time I was saying these words with them because I was like, anything, we'll do anything. Like, just make this stop. And I, as I said, the words literally, you know, Jesus come into my heart. I felt whatever people think Jesus is, that beautiful energy filled me from head to toe, from skin to bone, from body to soul. And I it was like night and day. I there I was in ultimate relief. I just like shed all of this weight I didn't even know I was carrying. It was palpable. I literally felt it in every cell of my body. And I was like, you can't make that up. Like that's not an accident. And I just knew it was over. Like I was protected now and nothing could, whatever that thing was, couldn't make me have those visions anymore. Couldn't, you know, attack me in sleep paralysis anymore. Like nothing. And I knew that. I just had like this instant understanding that that was permanent and true. And I was like crying. Like this is one of the most beautiful things that's ever happened to me, but I don't have words for that because I'm 16 and I don't even believe in any of this still. It's all too fast, right? For my like mind to even keep up with. But I understood instantly, like, whatever Jesus is, it's real, it's powerful, and it works. Uh, Unfortunately, they were also like, well, you're not really done yet, because that portal you've (laughs) opened is still open. And you don't, you know, you've got Jesus now, you're like, much more protected and stronger, but that portal's still there, and you have to close it, or this thing will always have, like, a window onto you. And they're like, you need to get rid of the the deck. Don't just get rid of it. Like, you need to burn it. You need to make sure it's, like, not in this world anymore. (laughs) And I'm like, that's a bit intense. And they guided me through what I now know is very similar to what I do have learned from many shamanic uh, teachers since then, where you banish the darkness first, and then you invite in the light, right? And then and you go about doing whatever spiritual work you need to do. In this case, it was getting rid of this portal of the tarot cards themselves. 
So I did that. I went through and I cast Satan out. I said, Satan, get out of my house. All of his minions get out of my house. You have no power here. You're not welcome here. I invited Jesus in and got in and filled this house with light and all of this. And luckily no one was home. So I didn't feel like too much of a weirdo. I was like skipping school to get saved and banish Satan from my house. (laughs) But I grabbed the deck and I went outside after doing that. And I, uh, we had a little fire pit in the, in the yard and I went to go burn the cards and, uh, this wind kicked up and it was pretty strong. And it was, I was having a hard time getting anything lit or keeping it lit. Uh, and I, I was getting frustrated and then like the wind got stronger and like pine cones and stuff were starting to hit me. And I was like, this is crazy. I'm just trying to burn these. I just want to be done with this, you know? And then I realized that the house right next to us, none of the trees were moving. The house I turn around behind us, none of their trees are moving. In fact, there's just seems to be a storm right on top of me and only me. And then I realized this thing is like trying to stop me from burning this deck. This is again, whereas I was like, I mean, it's just a deck. It's probably not really. It was probably more that I invited it or, you know, like this and that. And but I'll burn it just in case. And now I'm like, oh, no, I have to burn this deck. Yeah, the petrol. trying to stop me yeah so i dumped even more uh fuel on it and i just got it lit and burnt and it while that was happening i was like being pummeled with these things and the trees are like shaking and there's like branches falling and i'm like oh my god like this is like a movie like this is not even couldn't even be real i it, does, I, it sounds like a scene out of the exorcist actually you know this like yeah this wind that's almost possessed picking up it does sound like a movie scene that Lindsay, i'm <laughs> conscious that um of our time and i think we've probably come to the end of part one so uh, what a, what a cliffhanger to leave it on, especially <laughs> when you consider that you do, you do still use the tarot. And I use the tarot also. Uh, I've used it with coaching clients. I've used it in counseling for many reasons. So maybe we can pick up on that in part two. I'd love to ask. I've got a ton of questions, actually. So I'm going to try and keep it into our time slot. But uh, before we leave, Lindsay, please let everyone know where they can find your work, where they can get in touch with you. Yes, uh, rogueways.org is where everything is. I'm on rockfin.com slash rogueways if you want to watch my live streams. I'm on podcasts if you want to listen to my show, Rogueways. And I do one-on-one sessions with people as well for spiritual support and healing and recovery and uh, to support the removal of energies like this from people's lives. So uh, if that is something that anyone is looking for, then they can find that on my site as well under spiritual support or shamanic soul services. And they can just schedule with me whenever it is convenient with them. I do everything via Zoom or distance uh, so we don't have to be in the same location for us to work together. Awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Lindsay, for being on the show. And I'm really excited for part two. So let's get straight <laughs> into it. So that's it for part one, everyone. I hope you enjoyed hearing Lindsay's story. I certainly did. In part two, we really get into this one in terms of what Lindsay did next. So how did she manage this demonic entity? How did she rid it out of her life? And what did she learn about herself from that experience? So members, please head over to parallelmind.com. If you're not a member yet, but would like to become one, please head over there. Also, it's one month free with annual membership. Similarly, if you do not want to become a member, but you still want to support the show, it's really supportive just to leave me a review on Apple iTunes or any other podcast app that you use. Liking the episodes, sharing them and leaving reviews is always helpful because that just alerts people to the work that I'm doing over here. So in closing, have a fantastic rest of the day, evening, month, year, whatever it is you're up to, I hope you are well. And I hope these podcast episodes are giving you, in the very least, entertainment, but hopefully more than that too. Hopefully it's helping you to reflect on your own life. So thank you again. And of course, I'll see you all in the next one. What you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly, expressing yourself. Peace for all men.
men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence. Peace in our time. Peace in all time.